0: Good morning, Faithful Listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained Podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of John. Hey, Faithful Listeners, it is Jen here with the Bible Explained Podcast. And yeah, I'm, I'm coming down with a cold or something, I think, because my throat hurts. So I'm not going to do a super long episode today. And actually, it works out because um, <laughs> when, I, when I schedule out my podcast episodes, I try to give myself a lot to talk about, but not like so much that I'm sitting here talking for like hours. And it turned out that today's episode is potentially going to be kind of short anyway. So I was like, wow, that, that worked out kind of well, So today I'm going to be reading John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee, your cup of water, or your cup of tea, whatever you're drinking this morning, as well as your Bible in the version that you prefer. And I'm going to go ahead and read this out of the WEB version or the World English Bible version. And also, excuse me if you hear any dogs walking around. We actually <laughs> we have three dogs in the house right now. We have bandit who is my dog and then there was a sickness in my family so we have one of my mother in law's dogs and then somebody else in my family was on vacation so we have his monstrosity of a dog and (laughs) they're they're both good dogs though actually bandit is the worst of the three my dog of course he is extremely territorial so he doesn't like other dogs But him and the one dog, who happens also to be a Jack Russell Terrier. So I have two Jack Russell Terriers in the house and a big giant golden retriever. And uh, the two Jack Russells, shockingly, love each other now. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, excuse me if you hear a bunch of dogs, because that's what's what's happening here in the household. But like I said, guys, let's go ahead and read John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25 today. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, and the changers of money sitting. He made a whip of cords and threw out all of the temple, both the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changers' money and overthrew their tables. To those who sold the doves, he said, Take these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered what was written, Zeal for your house will eat me up. From Psalm 69, verse 9. The Jews therefore answered him, What signs do you show us, seeing that you do these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews therefore said, It took forty-six years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he did. But Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because he knew everyone and because he didn't need for anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus has literally just begun his public ministry. We see that he was at the wedding in Cana. That was a great episode. If you tuned into that one on Tuesday. That was with my sister. Really fun episode. We did a lot of research for it. And it was just really interesting to talk about Jesus performing that really awesome miracle that truly is a miracle. Like it's humanly impossible what Jesus did. So basically, Jesus starts his ministry, like his public ministry, with that particular miracle. And of course, after that, people are going to see these signs and wonders and healings that Jesus is performing, and everyone's going to start following Jesus. But now to start out here, it says in verse 13 that the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Obviously, John is speaking to a very broad audience, so... Uh, He's not going into details about the Passover itself in this particular moment, but he basically just says the Passover of the Jews was at hand for all those Gentiles that would be reading this. And so it says Jesus went up to Jerusalem because that's what he did. We see actually that uh, much of Luke, the, the book that we just finished, was talking about Jesus's travels up to Jerusalem and Jesus took several months to get there and performed healings along the way encountered people that needed him and just did all sorts of stuff. And and much of Luke was talking about Jesus specifically traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover. And this was the last Passover celebration that Jesus was going to have before he died on the cross. But this Passover celebration that John is talking about is at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, like the very, very beginning. And of course, Jesus does the same thing. He goes to Jerusalem because I think that was one of the requirements for young men at the time was if they lived within a certain like mileage, I think it was within 15 miles, they were supposed to, by law, by like Jewish law, I think, travel to Jerusalem. And so it says that uh, once he gets to Jerusalem, he found these people in the temple who were selling oxen, sheep, doves. And all this other stuff. And also there were changers of money sitting there. Now since there were a ton of Jews coming into the city. They of course weren't always going to have the correct currency. Of the temple currency. Whatever that currency was. And so these changers of money were probably the the guys that made money off of exchanging coins for the correct coin or whatever. (laughs) And so all these people are in the temple doing their thing. But this was wrong. And I think the main motivation for Jesus's outrage on this particular issue was greed. In fact, it says in scripture that the love of money is the root of all evil. In fact, I think Jesus himself says that. So loving money being the root of all evil, these money changers and these uh, people in the temple, these merchants selling all this stuff, they were using the temple as a way for their own gain. And Jesus saw this as very, very wrong. And this is kind of the same thing nowadays. We see and hear stories about these crazy preachers all the time that are just money grubbers. And the only reason they're doing their ministry is for the money and for the fame that it gets them. Unfortunately, greed plays a really big role with some of these pastors we have across the world. Don't get me wrong, like I am very much a person that's like, if you have the money, feel free to spend it the way you want to do it. Like I I have no problem with people who have gained wealth. In my opinion, I'm like, if you got it, spend it the way you want, I don't care. However, a pastor is supposed to be different. A pastor is supposed to be set apart. That doesn't mean a pastor needs to live in squalor and that he can't have nice things and he can't have a nice house and he can't, you know, I don't believe any of that. Please don't run with what I'm saying and say that I don't think that pastors should be poor. I do not believe that. In fact, I think pastors are too poor right now. I think we need to support them more than they're being supported. Like the average pastor does not make a very good income. But when I see these mega church pastors, some of them just not having a very good influence on people and, and taking their money and just using it for their own stuff, and then later on we find out that these megachurch pastors were cheating the entire time on their wives, that just makes Christianity look bad. And in actuality, perhaps the place that that pastor went wrong initially was his love for money, and he took his focus away from God because he loved money so much. And that kind of brings me back to my initial point of the love of money is the root of all evil. So when Jesus sees his father's temple becoming a marketplace of greed, and not to mention the fact that they were, you know, totally twisting the law, none of this stuff really should have been happening to begin with based upon how sacrifices were supposed to be done in the Old Testament law. I mean... This entire situation that Jesus is seeing is angering him. It's riling him up because he knows the heart of men. That's exactly what it says down at the bottom. It says he didn't entrust himself to the people because he knew everyone. That's what it says. He knew the hearts of people. So Jesus, who is God in human flesh, has every right to purge these people who he knows their hearts are so far from him from the temple. He has every right to purge them. So it says he takes this whip. He makes it actually. (laughs) And, uh, I found out that no weapons of any kind were allowed in the temple and Jesus made a whip and, uh, brought it into the temple and started whipping people into shape. (laughs) I don't know if he whipped people. I shouldn't say that. It doesn't specifically say he whipped people, but uh, he used the whip, at least, to clear the temple. And it says both the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changers' money and overthrew their tables. although that have messed, messed them up, all that money all over the floor. And not to mention, these people in the, in the temple, making it a marketplace, would have been in the very common area. And the common area was for some of the poorest of people. So we, don't, we also don't know what was going on there. It's very possible these poor people were being, in a way, exploited by these merchants. The Pharisees were just allowing all this to go on. The leaders of this temple were just allowing all this, probably because they got a cut of it, honestly. They probably were able to get some of that money that the merchants had and take some of it home with them. So why why would they care? But the, the disciples are seeing all of this, everything Jesus is doing, and they remember a verse from Psalm 69, verse 9 that says, zeal for your house will eat me up. And I mean, if this isn't zealous, Jesus being zealous, I don't know what is. We don't often see Jesus portrayed in this light. People honestly kind of leave this out a little bit. They leave out stuff like this and stuff like um, Jesus telling people to turn from their sins. And instead, we always focus on like the woman with the issue of blood and like the feeding of the 5,000 people because he had mercy on all of them. But Jesus was both zealous and he was merciful, just as God the Father is. God the Father loves justice is what it says. He loves justice. So, of course, Jesus is also going to love justice. Especially when he sees potentially poor people, potentially even Gentiles, you know, being mistreated by these merchants who are only in that uh, temple for their own gain. And then, of course, the Pharisees eating all that up and being totally okay with all of this. So it says that people get really mad at Jesus. And by the way, this happens twice, I should mention. Jesus did this at the very beginning of his ministry, and he also did it at the very end of his ministry. So Jesus wasn't hiding who he was at any point in time. Jesus was a lover of justice. He was zealous for the temple. He was zealous for the church, obviously. And so he didn't hide who he was very early on in his ministry. I mean, if, if Jesus was out for the approval of people, there's no way in a million years he would have done this right off the bat. No way. But Jesus wasn't hiding anything. He was who he was. And he wasn't after the approval of people. So yeah, he did this two times that we know of in scripture. Once here at the beginning of his ministry at Passover. And then again, at the very end of his ministry, the week before he died, he did it again. Because obviously the uh, Pharisees didn't learn from the first time Jesus did it. So he comes back and does it again. So now it says... The people got mad at Jesus and they're like, what sign do you show us seeing that you do these things? So they're just like, what authority do you think you have to come in here and screw up our little establishment we got going on here? And Jesus is like, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it back up. Now, of course, it says John was very clear that Jesus was talking about his own body. Now, even John himself mentions that no one understood what Jesus was talking about. And even the disciples didn't realize what Jesus was talking about until Jesus was raised again. (laughs) And this is the passage here that we don't see mentioned. I don't think it's mentioned in Mark, but Mark references it at Jesus's trial. Mark actually said that when Jesus went to trial to die on the cross, that everybody was like, he said that he was going to destroy the temple and raise it back up again in three days. And now we see Jesus specifically saying that exact thing here in John chapter one. And I mean, obviously what Jesus was referring to, because we know now, is that Jesus was saying that this temple, in other words, himself, and by the way, you and I are also temples. We're all temples. If we house the Holy Spirit, if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are considered temples. And so Jesus is saying, my temple But he doesn't say my, he says, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. And so (laughs) the Jews are mad. They're just like, it took 46 years to build this temple. You're going to raise it up in three days. So they're all mad at him. But Jesus was talking about the temple of his body is what verse 21 says. And then it says right after that, the disciples figured it out when Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, at this point, it says that many people believed in Jesus's name and observed the signs that he did. But Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because he knew everyone. I really like that verse. And in fact, I decided to look this up. This posed a question for me. Is there any scripture reference that talks about trusting in other people as a good thing? And I found out that there is only one verse that talks about trusting in other people being a good thing. And that verse is Proverbs 31 verse 11, where it says the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. So the only time trust in another human being is considered to be a good thing is when a wife is such a good wife that the husband is not worried like he trusts in his wife like he's not concerned that she she's going to hurt him in any way. And every other verse regarding in trust of other people is actually not a good thing. Micah 7 verse 5 and 6 says, "Put no trust in a neighbor, have no confidence in a friend, guard the doors of your mouth." Then it says in Psalm 118, "It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man." Jeremiah 17 says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Psalm 146 says, Put not your trust in princes, in sons of man, in whom there is no salvation. I mean, this is pretty clear. (laughs) There's really nothing in scripture that talks about trusting in other people as being a good thing, besides in a husband and wife relationship where there needs to be trust. And I found that really fascinating. I found that really fascinating Because people are so fickle, you know, you're not supposed to trust in other people, not even in friends. Like you can be friends with people and you can love them and you can show them respect and you can have fun with them. But we aren't supposed to be trusting in them. We're not supposed to be like putting our confidence in them. The only time it's ever considered a good thing to put your confidence in someone is when it's Jesus or God the Father, or the Holy Spirit. That's the only time it's considered to be a good thing. For example, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And I mean, there's there's multiple verses about trusting in God, but not trusting in other people. And Jesus right here does that exact thing. And it says he didn't do this because he himself knew what was in man. In verse 25. So Jesus absolutely knew he couldn't trust in anybody. He couldn't even trust in his best friend, Peter, because Peter, obviously we know what happened there. And I mean, if you've been following along with me, or if you've read the the passages before, Peter denies Jesus three times when Jesus is uh, going to his death. Peter, who is Jesus's like best friend. And I mean, people are fickle. So basically my challenge for everybody listening is... Just put your trust in God, because he's really the only one that comes through for you in the end. He's really the only one that's going to be there for you and with you through thick and thin. And I mean, Jesus demonstrates this right here. He knew the hearts of people because of that. He was not going to entrust himself to them. So what we've seen so far of Jesus's character, just in this portion that we read today, is that Jesus, first and foremost has a zeal for the temple. In other words, for the church. So you and I, as Christians, in other words, as Christ followers, we're also supposed to have zeal for the church. We're supposed to have, in fact, the same amount of zeal for the church as Jesus had here. Secondly, we see that Jesus doesn't trust other people. (laughs) And honestly, I'm not going to tell you guys that you should trust other people. There's really no biblical evidence that you should. I mean, because Jesus understood the heart of other people, he had that discernment. We should also have that discernment when it comes to other people. Because when we don't have that discernment, that is where things start to go south. Because we allow people into our church that uh, screw things up, lead other people astray. And because of my church history over the years, I see what happens when there is no discernment in leadership and the damage that that can do so as christ followers we need to a have zeal for god's temple or rather the church and secondly we need to have discernment the way jesus did and the only way we can get that obviously is by asking jesus to give us discernment when it's needed Faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I did go a little bit longer than I thought I would. (laughs) I just knew I would. I don't know why I tell you guys I'm doing a shorter episode. It never ends up being a shorter episode. It ends up being longer than usual. But, guys, I hope that you check out the Facebook page because um, I do a lot of updates on the Facebook page. My sister, Jamie, who was on the podcast yesterday, has actually taken over Facebook for me, which has been a huge load off my back and I know that sounds ridiculous but I hated doing Facebook I forgot to do it I would forget to check it for days on end and my sister has been consistently keeping up on it for me. Now, of course, I do post on there myself regularly still. So it's kind of shared between my sister and I. But my point is go over to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash P40 Ministries to check everything out because that is where I'm going to post my updates. So for example, if I'm sick or something because I feel like I'm coming down with something, I will post on the Facebook page that I'm not feeling well and that there is no scheduled episode. So just stuff like that to keep you in the loop. And once again, that's going to be linked in the bio of this podcast episode. Faithful listeners, I'll see you tomorrow morning, hopefully, if I'm feeling okay. I'll see you tomorrow morning for an episode out of Deuteronomy. Happy listening and God bless.